I've made a pledge to black women a few years ago. And I and I joke and I'm like, I'll get into an argument for black men. I'll get pushed a little bit, but if you push me too hard, I'll leave. But for black women, I take a bullet for every black woman in America. Every black woman on this planet. Whether I know you're not. And when I say that, I mean it. I will take a bullet for black women because black women have saved my life. Welcome back to Depth and Candor, the podcast that once explored how changemakers define and live out their purpose through their careers, side hustles, and entrepreneurial contributions. But like I mentioned last month, we're doing things a little bit differently from here on out. Actually, a lot differently, at least for the season. As a recap, I want to explore Black joy. And In the last episode, we talked about how you can't do that without exploring the pains of life. And I'm trying to explore Black joy in a way that is multidisciplinary. Like, we're not talking about just having fun or laughing. We're talking about building a joyful life without hiding from the pain of life. And this includes the wars that we are born into and the wars in our minds, meaning the oppression that is external and the oppression that is internal. And over the course of this season, I'm going to be talking to academics who study joy, neuroscientists, community organizers, people who have been through deep trauma, who have come out the other side even more resilient. And of course, I will be talking to all of you. And we'll be talking about what the research shows, how people try to find deep joy through the lessons from their lived experiences, and we're going to build a framework that acts as a map and a compass for navigating our pain and reaching our joy. So, I spent the last month talking to some of the folks that you all suggested I speak to after you heard the last episode, and today's episode is a snippet from one of those incredible conversations. The voice you heard earlier is Imani Whitehead. She's a facilitator whose primary role is to make space for the healing of Black folks. And Imani holds events where Black folks are invited to come and share how they're doing, where they're hurting, how they might need guidance. And before COVID, she used to travel throughout the country to host these events, and now she hosts them virtually. And her job is to help provide guidance towards healing by asking folks questions and leading them to their own genius, to their own insights. Imani is also just beautiful expression of a joyful woman. Are you originally from New York? Mm-hmm. I so I'm... <laughs> I always, like, I joke, me and my friend used to joke, he's like, your project is show it. Because I'll always, I'll flip between, like, a very, very intellectual black woman. And then I'll just be like, because, you know, it's like, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't understand. <laughs> And after I described what I was exploring with this podcast, I asked her what she thinks makes Black joy different from all other joy. When other people feel joy, pictures of people smiling, it's fine, it's whatever. But when Black people are gathered, are smiling, Black people are 
just effortlessly being magic, it is a declaration of war for Mm -hmm. everybody else. One of the biggest threats to a dominant white supremacist culture is Black people living their most joyful, self-sufficient lives. Because there is an opposing force that intentionally and unintentionally benefits from keeping some groups at the bottom of the social hierarchy. Or, as Isabel Wilkerson says, at the bottom of the American caste system. And since yesterday was Black Women's Pay Day, so from when I'm recording this, yesterday was Black Women's Pay Day, and because we like to get paid over here, let's talk about the wealth gap to illustrate this exact point for a second. In 2010, Black Americans made up 13% of the total population, but only had 2.7% of the country's wealth. The median net worth for a white family was $134,000. And the median net worth for a black family was $11,000. And the median wealth for a single white woman has been measured at $41,000. While for black women, it is a whopping $120. And I will list my sources in the show notes so that you can also dive into the research. But we could say the exact same thing for housing discrimination or the education gap or healthcare discrimination or really anything else that touches our lives. But if you are Black, which you probably are, and because I make the shit for Black women, you might already know this, even if you didn't know the exact statistics. So there is a system that intentionally and unintentionally tries to maintain the status quo and that actually thrives when Black folks cannot be fully joyful. Because when you don't have joy, you only have oppression. When you don't have joy, you're not going to dream for a brighter day. You're not going to dream for a better tomorrow. And this is why people often say Black joy is a radical act. Because Black joy is the antidote to the emotional toll that we feel. The feeling of heaviness that comes when systems that should be supporting us come crashing down on us and our communities. I'll say it again, Black joy is a radical act. How did you get into this, into this work? <laughs> um, I, I've always been someone that made space for people, but it was it was in such an toxic way because I was self-sacrificing myself and I was making space for people who didn't want space, but they needed a sidekick. It wasn't until I started going to therapy mm-hmm. and me being candid about my own mental health journey and my, my journey with mental illness and I doing the work in myself, people were like, yo, how do you do that? How are you so transparent? How are you so open about your struggle? And I'm like, because this is what breaking shackles look like. This is what breaking the chains look like. The chains of telling what other people think. Because the key to life is telling your own story. Because when you when you narrate your own story, nobody can rewrite that chapter for you. 
And I always use this analogy. If someone comes up to me and says, well, I said, remind me of the block with a boy named George, and she had on the yellow dress. I say, first of all, his name is Raheem. And we were going to Rainbow because Rainbow had a sale, and I was wearing orange. Like, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, like, no one can take your story from you. That's why half of us have trauma now, because keep it in the family. No. I'm telling everybody. So another little chocolate girl like me doesn't have to go through that. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, it just became an obsession to help my people heal. Much like you, I think I broke when Sonia Bland was murdered. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw that video, and I thought, like, that's what all of the heaviness of blackness, and mm-hmm. that really sparked the first event that I did. And I just sit down with people, and I say, what is it that you need? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that you want to get off your chest? Like, I'm here. And I let them talk. Um, and I just listen. So I just, I just try to give that power back to people. I'm just the GPS. You put in where you want to go, and I just, you know, you it, it is really what it is. Like, I help guide you there. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to go? Do you want to feel safe? All right. So we're going to turn left. What have you done? Make a right. Today's episode is brought to you by Skillshare. I spent some time the other day on the site, and I was so blown away by all the incredible black talent that they have on there teaching everything from creative writing to graphic design to email marketing to speed reading which is the class that i'm taking right now because i just feel like there are so many things i want to read and i just don't have enough time for it if you are trying to learn a new skill during the pandemic you can try skillshare for free for two months using the promo code depth and candor free here's imani again and it'll mostly be her from here on out. I've made a pledge to black women a few years ago. And I and I joke and I'm like, I'll get into an argument for black men. I'll get pushed a little bit, but if you push me too hard, I'll leave. But for black women, I take a bullet for every black woman in America. Every black woman on this planet. Whether I know you're not. And when I say that, I mean it. I would take a bullet for black women because black women have saved my life. This is why I do this work, and I mean that. If you feel that you don't have anyone in this world that loves you, go to bed knowing that I do. When I wake up, how I spend my hours is for the betterment of black, and I'm okay with that. Do you feel happy? Do you feel joyful? I feel so... I can't even... I'm getting emotional, so I've never been asked that. I, I feel, dang. <laughs> um, as someone who, like, I have not had an easy life, and um, there are many days where I had to find something to wake me up the next morning. I just feel so fulfilled. Like, I feel so full. I feel like I finally have something to wake me up in the morning, you know? Like, a constant. Like, if I don't have it for myself, I have it for the work that I'm trying to do. I'm okay. And I always tell people I'm okay. 
when I tell them my childhood, everyone is like, oh my God. But um, yeah, I by the age of 16, I had, I had been sexually abused by five people. So I had never had a chance to be someone's child. My mother suffers from deep mental illness. You know, she buried me under everything in the house and just left. Um, so luckily the land, and she was just like in the street roaming naked. Luckily the landlord um, remembered that she had a daughter and told the, the police when they showed up because they were going to leave. And he's like, you know, I didn't see her daughter. I'm not sure. Like, y'all should just look. So luckily, they, it, like the house was a mess, and they were able to find me. And when I got back to my mom, not really understanding her illness, and then realizing when she went into psychosis for the second time, there's a lot of things that I've had to experience because of that, like homelessness. I didn't get to finish college because it was like either you gonna get a job or you gonna eat your syllabus because riding trains, sleeping on people's floors. So um, yeah, so it's it's been an interesting journey for myself um and then one thing that has been constant throughout that it was just like you know I, I i refused to get mad at the world for the cards that were dealt to me because that anger doesn't help anybody i just bleed on somebody else who then bleeds on somebody else so luckily like my mom and i are in a much much better space thank god for therapy i would never have in my life thought that my mother and I would have the relationship that we have now have the conversations that we're able to have so I remember her and I were having a conversation and she was like I'm so proud of you because you are going to therapy and I see you and she said I didn't have that I couldn't talk to anybody about what I was going through and I see you and I see how beautiful you are and it makes me hopeful and again that reaffirms me this is why you do this this is why you put yourself on display. This is why you talk about your trauma. This is why you talk about your life. Because there are other people who have the same story. They're just waiting for someone to tell a story that's similar. Now I can understand the real weight of trauma and the effects that it has when people don't have an outlet to heal. I'm grateful for my village. I'm so grateful for my partner. I'm so grateful for my partner, especially as we talk about marriage and we're moving forward with that. And I'm just so nervous because the way my life has lined up that I'll lose all the good things in my life because all I know is struggle. I've been like, I've been um, planning our wedding on Pinterest. And, um, you know, we still have, he's Muslim and he has to get permission and we're still working out things on that end. Um, but I'm just like planning things. I told him, I said, this is me telling myself to be in the present, planning this wedding, speaking life into it. So mm. when I say, do you want to go to Zanzibar for our honeymoon? Do you like this flower? <laughs> like, let me have this moment because mm. it's me saying I am claiming, I am acknowledging this blessing in my life. Mm. I'm holding on to it and I am nurturing it with my presence.
I have never known anything but turmoil and chaos until about 26, I'm 28 now. So it's freedom to me looks like just counting your blessings unapologetically. And I think that connects it to black joy. We as black people count your blessings without guilt, without reservation, without fear that it will be taken away from you. I think we have this idea that living joyfully or like black joy is this thing that we will achieve once the oppressor stops oppressing us. And I find your definition so powerful because it takes the power back. It takes the agency back. Exactly. Exactly. I was talking to a friend earlier today. We were in this group that have shared in the voice notes about decolonizing spirituality. And she said, we don't have to reclaim it because it was already ours. Mm. That rings true to your statement. A lot of us are fighting to take things back from white people. And it's just like, it never belonged to them in the first place. And if we walk in that, like, you don't own my joy. Like, everything, I am a statistic walking. I am a black woman from the projects, from broken homes. I have been in the foster care system. I have been abused. I have no degree. I am a sneeze away from poverty. (laughs) No one in my family has owned a house. No one in my family has been married happily. No one in my family has any type of wealth or ownership. I am the statistic. I am that black American that Trump talks about. But does that let does that stop me from dreaming? Does that stop me from growing? Does that stop me from laughing? Does that stop me from showing up for black women? Does that stop me from fixing crowns after crowns after crowns? No. It doesn't. Because you don't own that and you can't own that. You can't. And I think as soon as we realize that no one owns our joy but us, we'll be able to walk in that. So much of the reason why white supremacy thrives is because it's all a mental game. When you feel, when you, when you create a sense of mental imprisonment, you own them. This is things that I'm realizing time after, like day after day, is that Life is really yours. And we and, and this I call them Jaden Smith conversations. Because Jaden Smith has a lot of gems, but sometimes when he first was really getting older and he was saying a bunch of stuff, people were just like, He might be a little crazy. And I smoke a little bit. I'm like, Okay, yes, he's making sense. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> but no, I truly believe that we are our own universes. It's just like, wow, I've been looking everywhere for these answers. I've been looking in people. I've been looking in self-help books. I've been looking on YouTube. And it's just, it's at its core, at its foundation. It's just giving yourself permission. Giving yourself agency. What's been bringing you joy lately? Cutting up on the ground. Press on nails, uh, <laughs> pouring into black-owned stem businesses, lashes, um, being fat, 
being black, being unapologetic of it. Um, the love that I have in my life. Um, the fact that every day I wake up and I open my eyes and I thank God for that. Because that in itself is a gift. And then having so many like conversations like this, like I've been having so many conversations that have been so fulfilling. It's just like, damn, I love black people even more. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. One of the most powerful things that stood out to me in this conversation was this this idea of agency. Like, yes, there is oppression. And also, we have the agency and the responsibility to take back what is rightfully ours. And if we're going to build this framework around creating a joyful life, I think this is pillar number one. Understanding that you have agency. And my challenge to you all this week is to find one tiny moment where you can take back your agency and reclaim your joy. Now, y'all know I'm always on the gram, so DM me on Instagram or tag me on your post so I can repost it and so I can share with other people listening. I really want this to be a learning community because this is about Black collective joy, and we have so much to learn from one another. That is it from me this week. And if you're not already on the newsletter, join it using the link in the show notes. I'll be sending out a digital care package to all of you at the beginning of September because we could all use a little care right now. Am I right? <laughs>